Chapter eleven of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part three. By Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter eleven. London, April to September, eighteen twenty two. The Camp Market. A kind of market had been formed behind our camp. The peasants had brought quarter-casts of white mazelle wine, which remained on the wagons. The horses were unyoked and fed quietly, attached by a string to one end of the cart, while people drank at the other. The fires for bat-fowling gleamed here and there. Sausages were fried in saucepans, puddings boiled in basins, pancakes tossed on iron plates, and omelettes raised on baskets. Cakes covered with aniseed, fry-loaves a penny apiece, cakes of Indian meal, green apples, red and white eggs, pipes and tobacco were sold beneath a tree from whose branches hung coarse cloth caps, bargained for by the passers-by. Peasant girls, seated astride on wooden stools, were employed in milking cows. Everyone gave his cup and awaited his turn. Sutlers in their blouses, soldiers in their uniforms, hovered about the ovens. Vivandier passed hither and thither, calling out in French and German. Some stood in groups, others were seated round deal tables, standing unevenly on the rough ground. Various inventions for shelter were made some with a piece of packing-cloth, others with branches cut in the forest, as on Palm Sunday. I think, too, that there were weddings performed in the covered wagons, in remembrance of the Frankish kings. The patriots might easily have followed the example of Majorian, and carried off the chariot containing the bride. Rapid esera victor, nubentemque nurum. The people sang, laughed, and talked, and the scene was extremely gay at night, lighted up by the fires gleaming on the ground, and the stars shining overhead. When I was neither on guard at the batteries, nor on service in the tent, I was fond of supping at this fair. There all the camp stories were revived, the battles fought over again, but embellished by good cheer and merriment, their attraction was much increased. One of our comrades, a brevet captain, was celebrated for his faculty of story-telling. I have forgotten his real name as we gave him that of Dinazad, and always called him by it. It should have been Scheherazade, but we were not so particular. As soon as we caught sight of him, we ran to him and disputed him among ourselves. It was a contest who should get him into the MS. Dinazad was a short man, with long legs, a fallen-in face, gloomy moustachios, eyes whose pupils had a decided preference for the outward angle, a hollow voice, a large sword with a light brown scabbard, and the air of a military poet, a serious and solemn joker who never laughed at anything, and at whom one could not look without laughing. He was a witness to all the duels, and the love of all the ladies at the Countess. He took everything he said in a tragic light, and only interrupted his narrative to drink with the same air from a bottle, to rekindle his pipe, or to swallow a sausage. One night, when a small fine rain was falling, we formed ourselves into a circle near the tap of a cask, which leaned over towards us on a cart, whose shafts were in the air. A candle fastened to the cask lighted us, and a piece of coarse cloth, stretched from the shafts of the cart to two posts, served us as a roof. Dinazad, with his sword awry in the fashion of Frederick the Second, standing between the wheel of the cart and the side of a horse, related a story to our great satisfaction. The vivandier, who brought us our allowance, remained to listen to our Arab, and the attentive group of Bachantes and Silenuses, who formed the chorus, accompanied the narrative with marks of surprise, approbation, or disapproval. Gentlemen, said the orator, you all knew the Green Knight who lived in the time of King John, "'Yes, yes,' replied the chorus. Dinazad gulped down a rolled pancake and burned himself. "'This green knight, gentlemen, was, as you must know, since you have seen him, extremely handsome. 
when the wind blew back his red hair over his helmet it looked like a wreath of hemp round a green turban bravo cried the chorus one evening in may he blew his horn at the drawbridge of a castle in picardy or auvergne no matter which in this castle lived la dame de grande compagnie she received the knight well the attendants removed his armour and conducted him to the bath the lady then sat down with him to a magnificent repast but she ate nothing and the attendants were dumb oh oh groaned the chorus the lady gentleman was tall thin and ungainly like the major's wife but she had a great deal of expression and a coquettish air when she laughed and showed her long teeth below her short nose it was so enchanting that one would not know what he was about well the lady fell in love with the knight and the knight with the lady although he was afraid of her dinazad here emptied the ashes of his pipe on the wheel and was about to replenish it but the company eager for the story obliged him to go on the green knight quite in a desperate state resolved to quit the castle but before his departure he demanded an explanation of several very strange things from the lady and made her a formal offer of marriage providing she was not a sorceress dinazad's rapier was planted straight and stiff between his knees seated below him and leaning forward we made a kind of circle of sparks round him with our pipes resembling the ring of saturn suddenly he cried out as if beside himself now gentlemen this dame de grande compagnie was death and the captain breaking the ranks and crying death death put the vivandier to flight the sitting was closed the applause was loud and the laughter prolonged we returned to our post nearer thionville to the sound of its cannon End of chapter eleven